Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Amazing to be in a day of practice together. So to mention, you know, this wonderful opportunity to remember that we're sitting for other people. And this sit for a scholarship and learning that actually, oh, right, we're practicing not for ourselves, just in case you thought that's what was happening. Maybe you're interested in how you're doing today. In case you didn't hear that, we're not practicing for ourselves. And in case you didn't hear that, (laughs) we're not practicing for ourselves. And to me, that is such a rich place of practice to realize and to remember that. That yes, we're important and not so important. And oftentimes, I know for myself, I can get very involved with my experience and my ideas. I'm pretty sure about what everything is and what everything isn't. So this morning is very much in the midst of our, we're almost a third of the way through our practice period, our continuous practice. And before we get into Dogen's teaching, I wanted to go back a bit to the Tang Dynasty in China. And thinking about the, the grandson of Weining, his name was Ching Yan. So it was the Dharma grandson. So Weining was the sixth ancestor in the Zen lineage. And then there's Ching Yan. And three of the traditional Zen, five Zen houses are come out of his lineage, including our own, including the Soto school. I always like to know, get to know and share a little bit about our ancestors. But in case you thought the practice was about you, it's also about Qingyang. So he was a a monk and studied with Guining's successor. And there's lots of myths around him, of course, because it was a long time ago. But who knows what really would happen. In one particular story, when he uh, When one of his students named Shen Wei came to study with him, the master asked the student where he was coming from. And he said, I was coming from Kao Zi. And he said, well, how's it going, Kao Zi? And Shen, his student, remained silent. And Ching Yan said, tiles and pebbles are still in your way. Still getting caught up. So he 
just remaining silent, kind of like a, a Zen person's answer to things. I'll just be silent. And the student said, do you have true gold to give, teacher? Do you have anything of value? And Qingyan said, even if I did, how would you hold that? But even if I offered you something, how would you hold it? And to me, it's so much about what the practice is about, is how we function. How are we living? Actually, I was having a really delightful conversation with uh, Gyoke, Yokoyama the other day, and we were talking about, and he was saying that, well, I'm not very intellectual. <laughs> I just share my struggle and my discoveries. How delightful. So you can know a lot of things and still not really be willing to share your struggle and your discoveries, hiding behind what you might think you know or think you should know. Anyone ever get caught in that? Thinking you're supposed to know things. Qingyan is famous for this quote, where he says, kind of a poem, and he said, before I studied Zen for 30 years, I saw mountains as mountains, and waters as waters. When I arrived at a more intimate experience, I came to the point where I saw mountains are not at all mountains, and waters are not at all waters. But now that I've got a different experience, I am at rest. Imagine that, being at rest. And he said, for it's just now that I see mountains once again as mountains and waters once again as waters. I remember hearing this about, I think it was Allen Ginsberg who actually <laughs> was quoting this somewhere. And I was mystified. What is this all about? For me, what I realized at this point is what the most important thing in this whole thing for me is that practicing for 30 years and then seeing what you discover. Because in the beginning, we think that things are things. We're coming at it with our conditioned and preferences and what we think is what it is. I certainly have done that for a very long time. <laughs> oh my goodness. So caught. in literal interpretation of things, in grasping on knowledge. Oh, I know what a mountain is. I know what my life is. I know what I am. I know what you are. And we're seeing this very clearly now in this time also. People are so sure about a lot of things. Not to wear a mask or to wear a mask. 
freedom is, what freedom isn't. People who are dug into all lives matter, some people are dug into black lives matter. So many digging into sides. Actually, it feels really heartbreaking to be in this time and to be really, for me, to be really receiving this time. And I think of being here at the center and getting to sit at the feet of this beautiful Apalokiteshvara that has been Person, the one who hears the cries of the world, all the cries. To me, the challenge is also to be loving to all the sides. So challenging to hear all the cries of the world. And still be able to speak up for what we think is right. But speaking up from a space of knowing that all sides deserve respect and dignity because we're all part of the one right from. So challenging to insist on respect and dignity Many people often get caught in the middle stage that Qingyan is talking about. When I arrived at a more intimate experience, I came to the point where I saw mountains are not mountains and waters are not waters, where we experience emptiness, where we experience the oneness. Very easy to get caught there too, very seductive. We can get caught in the beginning where everything is very relative, and then we can get very caught in the emptiness. And I've gotten many angry messages from people saying, how could you speak out against homophobia? How could you say that black lives matter? That is not the teaching. We're all one. There's no identity. And to feel that it's an easy place to get caught. I've gotten caught there. It's for me, like experiencing that is so incredible to experience that oneness. It's so freeing. And then also that same freedom can be a cage if we stay there. So he says, but now that I've got its very substance, I'm at rest. Oh, imagine being at rest, being at home and yourself. Or that amazing image at that near the end of the ox herding pictures, for those of you who are familiar with that, where Hote is out in the marketplace, bare-chested and giving candy to kids, you know, just like totally vulnerable and exposed and joyful. At rest in himself and in activity. Chingyan said, and, and it's just that I see that mountains once again as mountains, waters once again as waters. This is the place of integration of the absolute and the relative. It's where Cohen students tend to go crazy. <laughs> you know, 
because the you know the koans are trying to get us move us out of the relative or out of the absolute and into the space of integration where it's just ordinary activity so easy to say so simple In a very famous koan that our friend Chingyan is often quoted in, in the koan curriculum that we work in, and it says, a monk asked him, what is the main teaching of Buddhism? What's it all about? Chingyan? And he said, what's the price of rice in Luling? this monk had just come from Luling. How are your legs feeling? This coffee is delicious. the main teaching <laughs> it's, it's amazing that we're waiting for something else maybe at the end of the, our practice today we'll feel something maybe tomorrow after Diane Sensei's Dharma talk maybe then is asking us to really just experience where we are. That kind of intimacy. So today, the text from continuous practice tends to, this section often scares people a little bit. I see some nodding. Oh no, I'm gonna have to give up something? Forget it. I love Dogen so much. He says, if you have a home, leave your home. If you have beloved ones, leave them. If you have fame, abandon it. If you have gain, escape it. If you have fields, get rid of those. If you have relatives, separate from them. If you don't have name and gain, stay away from them. Why should you not remain free from them while those who already have name and gain need to give them up? This is the single track of continuous practice. I just gave it to you. This is what it is. and go back to the moment when Rilke, you know, experienced that statue when he was so, so in the dark. And Rodan told him, well, just go and sit in front of things if you want to emerge again. Really pay attention. And he understood, finally, when his depression broke, he realized to see the luminousness in the ordinary. And that he had to pivot 
Horace Huayning says, you know, basically the whole thing is about pivoting. We have to be willing to change. And one of the hardest things, because we don't want to change, we want to stay the way, or even in like little subtle ways, we want to just kind of be right or kind of be holding on to parts of our story. If you have a home, leave your home. Me, what he's talking about is exactly what Chingyan is talking about. This kind of grasping and clinging onto what is around us. It's like the grasping onto those we love. grasping onto what we think of as home and cozy, but grasping onto wanting to be liked and recognized in certain ways. Grasping onto wanting to be better. Uchiyama often is saying, reminding us to open your hand to like the grasping nature. You have to also remember how much Dogen loved his students. So people often misunderstand this and think, well, he's awfully cold, just like cutting everything off. He's talking about the grasping, my understanding. Because if you read him carefully, he loved so many people, cared so deeply about so many people. He created many beautiful places, magnificent places. Like even Koshoji's first monastery is incredible. It's surrounded by the most incredible, almost like a forest of love trees in AAG so beautiful so majestic surrounded in like incredible mountains that most ancient cedar trees hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so gorgeous there's a person also amidst all of that and amidst, you know, really encouraging his students to develop a grandmotherly loving mind, a warm mind through their actions. It's also saying, but don't get too clingy. But it's amazing how we don't want to leave our home. Our cozy, as we often talk about, like our cozy little shit pile. You know, like our, Cause it's like our shit and it's warm and we roll around in it and it's familiar. And we just want that. So after just some, some poking around, I was looking at like, well, what do other, what is our culture here in the, in the United States? What does leaving home mean? And in the dictionary, Merriam-Webster, Merriam says, it is to leave one's parents' house and find one's own home. How incredible. Like it's in our culture too. We have to find our own home. Just as, you know, Waining did. He had to leave the monastery and find his own home 
in himself. Just as Dogen did as he had to flee Kyoto. Just as each of us, no one comes to this practice because everyone's having a party. All of us come because we actually realize that we are suffering. And as our Dharma sister Spring Washam has been giving these amazing talks about the Bodhisattva known as Harriet Tubman. Incredible thoughts. You know, the Underground Railroad almost as like the Bodhisattva path itself. That even 2,600 years ago, it was totally radical and underground. This path was not for the masses. It was for people who knew that they were suffering and struggling and wanted to be free. And those of you who know a bit about Harriet Tubman, she was brutalized throughout her life. I don't know if I could have endured what she endured for sure. But she said that what she always knew was that her, that she was never a slave. So it's kind of like that not clinging. Just because some people say you are such and such, how do you know your own nature? So in some ways, I'm thinking about her these days because I've been so inspired by these talks and so grateful to Spring for like really bringing them to us. So how do we persevere on this underground railroad of liberation? And I feel like that's exactly what Dogen is saying, that we have to leave the way we relate to the most important parts or the most over-identified parts of ourselves. Soften our grip and then see who you are. Some people say like, wait, I have to get divorced and or <laughs> sell my house. That's not what he's saying. To me, he's actually teaching us how to love more fully. To me, if I have a beloved one, he's saying, leave them. Let them be. Let them be. Anyone ever try to control um, people in their lives? Or secretly know really what all the people in your life really should be doing and how they should be behaving? <laughs> wow, it's intense. And we do that towards ourselves too, our own beloved nature. Leave it be. And your husband's cooking in the kitchen and likes to cook alone, leave him be. That's my challenge. One of many challenges. How do we really participate in being more loving? You know, the traditional ceremony for 
ordination when you become a monk or a novice monk. So, called Shuke Tokido and called means leaving home. But often what it really means is leaving home and entering the way in the midst of your life. And one of the reasons why I've always been drawn to the Soto school that we practice in is because there's this way of ordaining in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of your life, in the midst of having a home, in the midst of relationship, in the midst of everything. Because most monks and priests I know live in the world, even in Japan. Even our dear friend, Gyoke Okayama, like everyone just like is basically in the world. What does it mean to enter the way in the midst of your life? And I feel like, again, this is what Yogan is pointing to. How can you soften your grip and be at rest? A novice monk in Japan is called Unsui or Cloud and water. Moon meaning cloud and sui meaning water. And it comes from a Chinese poem that says, drift like clouds and flow like water. And I feel that this is exactly what Dogen is inviting us to do. In the midst of your life, in the midst of your relationships and where you live and how your body is. How can you embody this poem of drifting like clouds and flow like water? How can you rest in that way? So the reflection for today was how can you leave your home of self preoccupation? I want to get it right. Damn it. I want you to see me in a certain way. Non clinging is the place of practice. just reading this magnificent poem from our ancestor again. Before I had studied Zen for 30 years, I saw mountains as mountains and waters as waters. You can see I'm looking as far as the robes are kind of like waters, unsweet. When I arrived at a more intimate knowledge, an intimate experience, I came to the point where I saw that mountains are not mountains and waters are not waters. But now, I've got its very substance, and I am at rest. For it's just that I see mountains once again as mountains, and waters once again as waters. There's so many opportunities when I'm looking out onto the, the, the um, screen.
for my feelings of envy to arise. And then I remind myself that I have enough, that this is what I've worked my whole life for. I just didn't know that I had to give up so much to get it. We have opportunities uh, today for sitting every day now on Zoom. If you're not aware of it, please check our website. An opportunity every midday and Monday evenings, Wednesday evenings, Saturdays, Sunday lunch. And then on Thursday evenings, there's a guided meditation by me. Um, this is a whole new world in so many ways. The Dharma is giving us plenty of material to work with in these uncertain times. We have endless opportunities to pay attention and wake up. Wake up. I asked you this morning, before the mic went out or after the mic went out or when it came back, to sit strong and to sit not only for yourself, but for all sentient beings. Not just about you today or any other day, really. How can we sit just for ourselves? How can we do that? with what's happening around us. Our intention must be to wake up. Wake up with the demonstrators, the victims of violence. This afternoon, we're sitting in our homes, cautions in the Zendo, People are marching on the streets while we're sitting in our homes in the Zendo. People are riding bicycles in the thousands, painting the streets with yellow letters, huge yellow letters, Black Lives Matter. People across the globe are being woken up to the reality of what oppression is what it looks like in all its many forms and colors, and shapes. And then waking up to the fact that now it's the time to end it. The actions by the police officer who murdered George Floyd has ignited a powder keg and the explosion is being heard throughout endless time and space. Let's not forget that George Floyd is not the only person who has been a victim of senseless violence because of the color of his skin. I read some of the names a few minutes ago. And for many hundreds of years, for all those. And let's hope that the 25th of May will be remembered as the day when people rose up and woke up, began to wake up, and that a movement of great change, the likes of which we haven't seen on such a scale before, and that it was not in vain. This is from yesterday's Commit to Sit reading, the 90-day period of, that some of you are engaged in committing to sit every morning for the next 90 days or the next 63 days. Yes, the next 63 days. So Dogen said, in the continuous practice of the way you should not be concerned about whether you are a great or modest hermit, whether you are brilliant or dull. Do not wait for great enlightenment. 
this great enlightenment is the tea and rice of daily practice. Great enlightenment is the tea and rice of daily practice. So how much time do you spend worrying about how others perceive you? Do you want to be seen as brilliant, great? Do you sink into dull? Do you see yourself as modest? Which can be also be tricky to see me as modest. Oh, I'm just a little wallflower or I don't need much. It's also dangerous. Why do you place so much importance on these thoughts? Don't wait for some aha moment. Oh yeah, this is who I am. That moment is not important. It is fleeting just as your idea of who you are is fleeting. That aha moment, those moments we see as enlightenment and we want to hold on to them, attach to them, they're not important. They may change us in some way, they may deepen our practice or allow us to see the possibility of our practice deepening, but don't hold on to it. That's just gonna create suffering. So also don't hold on to these thoughts of who I am. I'm really good at uh, denigrating myself and going into that dull place. I've got nothing to say. Nobody's gonna listen to me. Or I can go to, wow, I got this. Who I am is okay. Dogen said, enlightenment is the tea and rice of daily activity. Sweeping the deck, those of you whose decks I can see, did you sweep your deck this morning? Cooking for the kids, standing on line at Trader Joe's. It's in these ordinary moments it's the ordinary moments that we miss when we're caught up in myself, me, myself, I. We miss those moments, those ordinary rice, tea, daily practices. We miss those. Stuck in me, myself, I is to be wrapped up in my own brilliance. I'm stuck in that place. I don't care so much about others. I'm too caught up in myself to care about others, in my brilliance. And stuck in dull can look like no one is gonna to listen to what I, have to say, what I have to say. I'll just hide my anger, my fear, and not do anything to change the way things are. Sitting here together this afternoon, it's weird. The space that we're in is neither intimate nor not, not intimate. There's a little, thought, I thought I'd throw in a little dog in there. The space that we're in is not intimate and not not intimate. It's such, you know, it's Dogen's annoying paradoxes that send me to the place of I don't know what he's saying, I don't understand. Maybe I am in that dull place. I'm probably the only person in the world that doesn't understand what Dogen's saying. And then I think perhaps Dogen's writings are too dense for others too. Either do and commit to sit right now and find Dogen's teachings dense, please raise your thumbs, please raise your hands. Definitely not alone. Makes me feel so much better. 
Well, how has your zazen been today? Any moments of enlightenment for you? Hmm? Be careful how you answer that question. I'm watching you all on the screen. Some people are nodding now. Did you brush your teeth? Were you, aware, were you aware of brushing your teeth this morning? Did you poop? Were you aware that you were pooping this morning? Did you wash your hands? I don't mean after you pooped, I mean, did you wash your hands today a number of times to keep away COVID? In this time of COVID, how are you neglecting your practice? It's so easy to do, to uh, not sit on the cushion. Now that, you know, there's so much disruption in our daily lives. Rather than seeing this as a perfect time to in increase your zazen, instead of sitting there pissing and moaning because you can't get a mani-pedi, I know what that's like. Deal that. Mani-pedis are important in times like this. The kids are home way too much. Christ, I've never spent this much time with my spouse since we met. I'm going to go crazy. This thing doesn't end soon. Guess what? It's not going to end soon. And we have one doctor on the screen today that can attest to that. It's not going to end soon. We're going to be stuck in this shit for a while. So... Get used to it, kids. We'll just get to, used to sitting on your cushion more. Being with yourself instead of outside yourself, blaming others for your misery. How can we see this as an opportunity to really strengthen? A practice to see what's going on around us to do something to help others wake up whatever that looks like for you demonstrating signing petitions. Marching, sitting. Asking to be noticed, not to be dull. Nobody cares what I have to say. I'm just gonna hide in my fear and anger. As you sit for the rest of the afternoon, don't waste your time daydreaming. As we say in the evening gatha, opportunities are lost. Don't squander your life. Don't squander this afternoon, these last couple of hours by wanting to be somewhere else, wanting for this to be done with, so I can go get a cup of tea, whatever it is you want to do. Unless you get a cup of tea and you do it mindfully and see it as part of your enlightenment practice. If you do that, do it with intention. I'm gonna end with a poem. I recently discovered this poet, Maggie Smith, not Maggie Smith of Downton Abbey, 
Maggie Smith, the American poet. It's dark, it's a dark poem, and those of you who know me know that I like dark, cynical, quirky, fun poems. Tend to be a reflection of who I am, especially the dark part. It's called Good Bones. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways. I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate. Though I'll keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short, and the world is at least half terrible. For every kind stranger, there is one who would break you. Though I keep this from my children. I am trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking through a real shithole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. I like those last couple of lines. Any decent realtor walking through a real shithole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful.